feet, the, uh, the wind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, at least my papers won't fly away today. No, that's true. There's always an upside. Yeah, what happens? Juggling four devices today, five. We make simpler over time. We'll get there. Putting on your podcast. Well, you know, last week I for, I forgot to record, so. Yeah, so this this week I'm trying Facebook Live as an experiment. So I'm going to start that in just a minute. And if that doesn't work, well... Do you do the whole sermon? Or, or do you, you do the sermon, I know, but do you do the service? The for, service? for the podcast? Uh, no, just, just the, the sermon. sermon. That's what I thought. And that's why I, so, I sometimes forget, is that i got to press play right before I preach. <laughs> well, uh, I'm to stand back there and do this yeah, for you. Yeah, that, that, that would be helpful, actually. All I did was hit a button and things go haywire. Okay, I'm going to work on the Facebook thing. Sure. Are you using Rick's wireless? Yes. Okay. I, did you want me to test it or something? Rick, do you want him to test it? The wireless? Okay. Yeah, I was, I was talking already. <laughs> I was reciting the Gettysburg Address. That's your norm. Oh yeah, I see the button. He he controls it. He doesn't want me right. to mute it. So. As long as the power is on, it's just like me. Yeah. Okay. Now we're good. good. Ooh, that's loud. Good. Okay. Thank you. Hey Laura, you feeling lonely over there?
Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. You've got to be at least as loud as I am. Otherwise, this is very awkward. This is the day that the Lord has made. That's better. Thank you. Uh, Welcome to worship at Highlands Presbyterian Church, where we are growing disciples through radical kinship in Christ. It is a joy to be together again on this beautiful, if hot, Sunday morning uh, where we're continuing to juggle many different devices. And uh, could you just turn that down just a little bit, Rick? I I can. uh, And um, uh, we we will continue to to, uh, adjust and adapt to mosquitoes and, um, and jackhammers if they should happen. And we will continue to rejoice uh, as we also participate in communion together as we, take, as we celebrate the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, this morning on this first Sunday. A few announcements around that. We're going to be taking communion by intinction later. I'm going to walk over there with this portable mic. And, and um, if I've, I've got my, my hand sanitizer here with me, and I'll be wearing my mask, and I encourage you to do so also. There won't be anyone there handing you the elements. And if you brought your own, that's fine, too. Uh, more power to you. And then there, there are two different ways we can do it. You can either dip uh, by intention, and if you're not comfortable with that, you can take one of the, the cups, which may, uh, may be easier for some. Um, and are there other announcements, joys, or concerns this morning? I, I guess, go ahead, Laura. The Lord called our, my sister-in-law, Lucy, home this week, so prayers for um, for all of our family and, and for her family as well. Yes, prayers for Lucy, who's gone to be with the Lord. We certainly will. And I'll follow that up with uh, joy. There were two babies born early this morning. For those who didn't hear through Facebook or otherwise, Maria's grandchildren are now with us, two, two twin boys. So praise be to God. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing more about that once they've all recovered. That was at what, like 4 a.m., 2 a.m.? So um, they, they are sleeping in along with most of America this morning, amen? What other joys or concerns do we have? We have a microphone that John's bringing around, and you're always welcome to come up and use this mi- a microphone in the front. For anyone who, oh my goodness, for anyone who now has access to uh, Hamilton through Disney, uh, we have in our library the complete libretto. It's hard to understand the words uh, from the filmed version of the stage play, but we can, you can follow along with the libretto, and it's wonderful. Oh, thank you for the tip. I look forward to watching that on, I, I know there's a video online. Yeah, great. Other announcements, joys, concerns? Yes, Margaret, over here. <laughs> We're going to make him run this morning. No, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> from Gloria this week. She has developed a baker's cyst in her back of her leg and they're treating it with cortisone at the moment, but I'm sure she would appreciate some prayers. It's very, very painful. We will pray for Gloria. Thank you, Margaret. Are there any other announcements? Yes, Tom. Uh, Barb and I have always had good friends who relocated to Nairobi about five years ago. And I've mentioned this before, but Jack has really developed serious cancer issues. 
Jack Donahue. And if you would just keep him for... Jack Donahue will do in Kenya. Others? Okay, seeing other, no other announcements this morning, we'll continue with worship, with the call to worship. Let us worship God. We gather as God's people, bringing our fears and pain, knowing that when, that when our spirits have grown cold, God rekindles the gift of faith in us. We gather as God's people, hanging our broken hearts on the branches of the tree of life, Knowing that while friends may turn against us, God transforms enemies into sisters and brothers. We gather as God's people, hungering for healing and hope. Knowing that even when life is no picnic, God prepares a feast for us. joy a child of God forgiven, loved and free the life of Jesus to recall in love laid down for me in love laid down for me I come with Christians far and near to find as all are fed the new community of love in Christ communion bread in Christ's communion bread. As Christ breaks bread and bids us share, each proud division ends. The love that made us makes us one, and strangers now are friends, and strangers now are friends. The Spirit of the risen Christ, unseen but ever near, is in such friendship better known alive among us here alive among us here I ask you to join me in our unison prayer of confession sometimes God we take ourselves so seriously our opinions our emotions our needs our entitlements that we fail to notice our effect on others. And we do not make connections between our limitless wants and the resources left for others. We do this without knowing it. Bring our awareness to justice for all, to the common good, to your universal blessings. Remind us you love all. God of salvation, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth, offers forgiveness to each of us through the Redeemer sent in human form. We are grateful that over and over we are given the chance to begin again and that nothing we have done can separate us from God's love. to the Father, to the Son, and the Holy Ghost, 
As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Also with you. As forgiven and renewed children of God, let us pass the peace of Christ to one another. Good morning, Craig. Oh, we lost Craig. Good morning, others. Whoever's on the phone, I welcome you. God bless you. God be with you. Um, I don't think that this recording is going to work today, um, so please look for the podcast uh, online later. Well, you are real quick. Just watching me up here. <laughs> uh, let's continue with worship. Please join me or I'm this prayer for illumination. Spirit of God, as we hear your word today, enlighten our hearts to the reality of divine presence in our midst. Let our worship be pleasing in your sight so that our gathering is an experience of deep communion with you and with one another. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is our prayer. Amen.
Amen. Praise God for talented musicians. The scripture for today comes from the second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Listen now for the word of the Lord. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to promote the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm grateful to God, whom I serve with a good conscience, as my ancestors did. I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. When I remember your tears, I long to see you so that I can be filled with happiness. I'm reminded of your authentic faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I'm sure that this faith is also inside you. Because of this, I'm reminding you to revive God's gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. God didn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share the suffering for the good news, depending on God's power. God is the one who saved and called us with a holy calling. This wasn't based on what we have done, but it was based on his own purpose and grace that he gave us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now his grace is revealed through the appearance of our Savior, Christ Jesus. He destroyed death and brought life and immortality into clear focus through the good news. I was appointed a messenger, apostle, and teacher of this good news. This is why I'm suffering the way I do. But I'm not ashamed. I know the one in whom I've placed my trust I'm convinced that God is powerful enough to protect what he has placed in my trust until that day. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you heard from me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Protect this good thing that has been placed in your trust through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me again in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for being with us this beautiful morning, for seeking to speak to us through the sunshine and the breeze and the beauty of your word. We ask that you would help us to hear your message for our church today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's focus in this summer series is on the letters to Timothy and Titus. Yes, Bruce. Oh, he was reminding me about the podcast. I got it. Thank you. But if you could turn the volume down just a little bit. Thank you. So again, today we're talking about Titus and Timothy. These are sometimes called pastoral epistles in part because they seem to have been written to individuals rather than entire congregations. And these three are from the Apostle Paul to his, his protégés, presumably younger disciples, disciples whom he hopes will carry on some of his work. 
So these letters also have themes of mentorship as well as discipleship. And they can be reminiscent of efforts that we sometimes make to leave a legacy or at least pass on to the next generation some of the wisdom that we may have accumulated in life. For instance, I tried doing something like this recently with my, my own kids. A few months ago when we transitioned to e-learning, which really amounted to homeschooling, I figured this was my opportunity to teach my children things I wanted them to learn that they normally w wouldn't get in school. You know, specific values, habits, goals, that kind of thing. I was partly inspired by the tips that Roy Dames had for his kids, life lessons that would be easy to remember. So I made a list, 20 topics that I covered in five-minute increments over the course of four weeks. We called it Life Lessons with Dad, uh, which I enjoyed, even if they did not. They said, we don't need more school. Uh, they said just about every time. But I figure even if they only took in a small amount of what I said, it was still worth it. Because even a little bit of good counsel can go a long way. And I believe that young people today need all the help they can get to deal with the challenges of the 21st century. It is incumbent upon older generations to do what we can to help while there's still time. We can have intentional conversations. We can send snail mail letters like Paul did. Even an email or a text is better than nothing. My approach probably wasn't super effective, but it's like so many things. Whatever you can and will do to connect, that is the best thing you can do. Anyway, I had all these conversations with my kids, and then I wrote it all down too, intending to maybe follow up with like a, a coffee book table someday. I figured they could bring it out at my funeral and be reminded of my advice to them. Wouldn't that be sweet? But then I thought about, as I thought about making permanent these life lessons with Dad, I started to wonder if maybe I should wait a little while uh, and see if I changed my mind about anything. I mean, I hope to live at least another 40 years or so, and by then I might realize I was wrong about a few of them. After all, God isn't finished with me yet. And I'm learning new things all the time. I'd hate to be remembered for bad advice, even though some of it will surely be outdated or irrelevant someday. And I think it's fair to say that this is also a, an issue or a challenge that we can have with Scripture as well. Particularly these epistles we are considering together this summer. The letters were written at a specific time for specific audiences, and I doubt very much that those writers expected them to be quoted as Scripture 2,000 years later. Personally, this helps me to account for some of the advice in these letters that I find a little bit troubling today. Like, for instance, injunctions for slaves to obey their masters. Or wives to obey their husbands in all things as they would the Lord. At one point, Paul advises Timothy to drink less water and more wine. Uh, to help with his frequent illnesses, which is debatable advice. I can see how it was all well-intentioned, but it surely wasn't, it wasn't necessarily meant to stand the test of time either, some of it. Every generation must still discern for themselves what God's will is for their particular context. And that may sometimes even mean arguing with or going against the advice of their elders. One generation's monument can be the next generation's stumbling block. 
which makes this whole legacy thing a bit complicated, doesn't it? Take, for instance, the ongoing debates about Confederate monuments and memorials. Now, I, for one, think it's a wonderful thing that symbols of slavery, like the Confederate flag, are finally being removed from some public spaces. It's about time. But in, in some cases, I can also appreciate the opposing argument to these removals. Those who point out, for instance, that Thomas Jefferson and George Washington also had a lot of slaves, or at least benefited from slaves. Are we also going to take their names off of all of our institutions or disregard their legacies because they had this significant moral failing? But then, if we continue to honor some founding fathers, do we honor everything that they did? Do we follow all of their advice? Or do we discern for ourselves what should maybe be discarded? I suspect my kids may be wondering the same thing about my unsolicited advice someday. I hope they at least find some of it useful. But meanwhile, in these letters to Timothy and Titus, it seems to me that the Apostle Paul is, is very clear about at least one core teaching that he hoped would endure for future generations. Paul does include some personal advice in his writings, some of which we may like or not like, but the focus of his exhortation is more significant and lasting because it's specifically about passing on the gift of faith. It's about the gospel that has been entrusted to these young people he's writing to, and not by their forefathers, but by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. This is why Paul is writing, not to secure his own legacy, but to encourage the next generation to take hold of the same gift that, that he had been given. He says to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith that has been entrusted to them in Christ Jesus. This is more important than any family tradition or personal virtue or cultural trend. For in Christ we have life itself and life to its full. And when we cling to this gift, all else can become clear through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So Paul writes to Timothy that he should fan the flame of the gift of God which is in him through the laying on of hands. Don't be afraid of it, this divine power, Paul says to them. Don't be ashamed of it, the controversy of faith in Christ's resurrection. And don't even hesitate to suffer for it, he says, this good news of God's inbreaking kingdom. For God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. This is good advice. And essentially, he's saying, you can do it. Paul writes to Timothy, you've got this. Because God is at work in you. So we can see these letters as letters of encouragement, as well as advice or exhortation. Paul also wants these young people to know that he believes in them. That he has confidence they will succeed. Because the same Holy Spirit that is in him is also in them. And this Spirit will see them through every challenge, every hardship, 
long after Paul himself is gone. And then even before he's gone, Paul encourages the next generation also to step up, as it were. In, this, in the first letter to Timothy, he writes, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But instead, set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. Many a young person in the church today has been inspired by this good, ancient advice. And it's also inspiring to see how much of this teaching does indeed stand the test of time. Particularly this theme of encouraging and inspiring others, which is also our call in the gospel. We must continue to encourage the next generation in particular to make use of the gift that really is already in them. The sincere faith that, like with Timothy, often dwelt first with their grandparents and parents and is now in them as well, even if sometimes we have a hard time seeing it. What better legacy could we leave? What better advice could we give than this to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit? Not so that younger generations would be just like us in our traditions or even specific values, but that that they also would be filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered and equipped to solve their own problems and have a positive effect on God's world. Now, unfortunately, I know it's not always easy to get into this this particular mindset, which is one reason we have to keep rereading these letters. What I mean is that it seems like most of the time, older generations tend to be critical of younger ones. This is... Seems like it's always this way. For instance, I remember when Gen Xers like me were considered lazy. Uh, We were nicknamed the slacker generation until people realized that we basically invented the internet and everything that went along with it. Millennials likewise today are still stereotyped as entitled or incapable of independence. But I bet that some uh, boomers in silence can also remember concerns that their forebears had about younger generations, about their generations. Uh, Their parents weren't always optimistic about them either. Because criticism comes more naturally sometimes than encouragement. Which is why this encouragement that's modeled by Paul in these letters is so needed in every generation And the best gift that we can give to our children is the affirmation of the gospel itself. The Holy Spirit who dwells in each one of us, bringing comfort and encouragement and hope. I think the current pandemic is is a reminder that those who come after us will have to deal with challenges just as great or greater than we ourselves have known. We're already starting to see the effects of climate change, overpopulation, resistant bacteria, artificial intelligence taking people's jobs. The ways that we have learned to do things may not work in the decades to come. But we know that God will still be at work. Our tips and tricks may not be found useful, but the Holy Spirit we'll still be helping God's children to rise to every challenge. 
And so what young people need to hear from us most is not, do what I did, but rather, Paul says, you can do it through the gift of faith that has been entrusted to you. And so we also can say with confidence, the confidence of the Holy Spirit, you are strong, you are capable, and I believe in you. Wouldn't it be amazing if our particular congregation was known for giving this kind of encouragement to all of God's children? I suspect that young people would be drawn to this message if we made it our focus. We'd suddenly have a lot more folks in worship with tattoos and nose rings. Uh, they, they, they might be using Snapchat during coffee hour or even worship while they're eating avocado toast. We might find these things uncomfortable. And yet this too could help us to live into the gospel of of radical love and acceptance. Affirmation rather than condemnation. And so it also strikes me whenever I read these letters that this advice of St. Paul is relevant at every stage of life. For we ourselves continue to need encouragement our whole lives long in order to keep loving and welcoming one another so that we also would keep fanning the flame of the Spirit, rekindling the gifts that are in us for the life of the world. Friends, as as did our forebears in faith, may we endure all things, all challenges with patience, including the difficulties of young people, trusting that God will see us through and God will see them through to bring to completion that good gift that was begun in us. And may we be intentional about passing on this gift of faith to the next generation. So I encourage you this week to send a letter or an email or a text to a younger person like Paul did. Make it a Facebook post or a phone call. Whatever you can and will do, that is the best thing you can do. We can follow Paul's example by building up a fellow child of God, not in sports or school or business, but specifically in the good news of Christ Jesus. For this is our true legacy, the gift that we have received and have been empowered to share. Amen?